Hello, it has been so long. Um, I just have been <laughs> dealing with things nonstop. I mean, nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. I don't even I don't even know where to begin with what has been going on because I don't even know how many weeks it's been since I last had an episode come out. But um, I believe the last one came out when I just moved. And now I've been in this house for exactly four weeks. Wait, that's not true. No, no, no. Exactly a month. That's exactly a month. Because I moved on the 28th. It's November 28th. Okay, who cares? Um, you know, my grandmother is in hospice. She's dying. My dad was in the hospital with extreme vertigo being checked for a stroke my mother sprained her ankle (laughs) my sister was home for thanksgiving it's just you know you know life is crazy it's crazy for all of us but it's been crazy it's truly been nonstop crazy but here we are and i'm honestly so excited for you to listen to this conversation that i had with jessica defino if you don't know who that is she is a journalist and a writer who writes about skincare. And it is very, very parallel to the fuck it diet, which you will hear very quickly. Um, she is wonderful. And uh, yeah, I think you're going to love it. I'm going to play it in just a moment. But before then, I just want to remind you about my second book because that's really what my job is. <laughs> Um, My second book is called Tired as Fuck. It is about my relationship with extreme dieting, extreme self-help, exhausting myself, treating myself like a never-ending project. I know you will relate to the way that I treated myself. Um, It is about our cultural exhaustion, the way that we culturally are conditioned to treat ourselves and think about exhaustion and our relationship with rest and our relationship with food. And if you have not read the beginning yet, you can go to thefuckadiet.com slash tired. You can sign up to read the beginning and you can pre-order the book. And if you pre-order the book, you get bonuses. One of those bonuses is access to my author's commentary on The Fuck It Diet, which is my first book, obviously. And I am dripping that content. And the third one just came, the third part, so to speak, just came out today. Um, and it's so author's commentary is, I don't know if this is something that other people do. I'm sure someone has done it before, but it's, I liken it to director's commentary on a DVD, DVDs, about a thing from the past. Um, how do people get director's commentary now without DVDs? Do people still buy DVDs? Is that still a thing? You can't talk back to me, so I may never find out. Um, so if you pre-order my second book, first of all, it helps me so much because pre-orders all count towards the first week of sales. So it's a way better chance of being on any sort of bestseller list. That is why authors always want people to pre-order their books. So pre-ordering helps me a lot. And if you screenshot your proof of purchase, you can upload it. On my site, I will link to how to do that in the show notes. And you will also have a link to know how to do that if you download the beginning of the book from thefuckadiet.com slash tired. So really doing that will 
tell you what you need to do. But if you, um, when you sign up, you're going to get access to all of these bonuses. And then one of the bonuses is access to the first three parts of my author's commentary. I'm going to read you just a teeny tiny little excerpt from, from today's released author's commentary and then, and then move on to my conversation with Jessica Defino. So who is this book for? Well, when talking about who this book is for in the intro, I said chronic dieters. And this was an attempt to try and cover my ass. I know it applies to eating disorders, especially binge eating disorders. And many, many people have said, I think you sell it short when you say it's just for chronic dieters when it's so effective for people with binge eating disorder. I know, I know. But I do feel like I have to be careful because I'm not a health professional and I don't want people to not get the professional medical help they need. Unfortunately, at the same time, I know that so many health professionals don't know what the hell they're doing when it comes to eating disorders and disordered eating. So it's a bind. Saying it's just for chronic dieters feels like a combination of safest and truest. Oh, that's a typo. The safest and truest thing to say because most binge eaters are also chronic dieters. I also say often that if someone is happy with their relationship with food, they probably don't need this book. And I write that half because it's true and half because I just want people who are extremely adamant that they love their keto diet to just leave me alone and not hound me. And I also think it's 100% ineffective to tell someone they're miserable if they're still a maniacal dieter and convinced that they're so happy. And I also like to leave room for the fact that I don't know what's right for everyone. I only know what's right for me so far. And sharing that happens to be, have been helpful to many others too. And I go on and on and there's way more to read on my commentary on the Fuck It Diet book. And there's way more to come too. But if you uh, pre-order today and sign up with proof of per- your proof of per- I hate talking. I don't want to talk ever again. <sighs> I just had to have a little meltdown. But unfortunately, I have a podcast, so I have to talk. Not only do I have to talk ever again, I have to talk right now. And don't worry, I don't hate talking. I just hate saying proof of purchase. And yeah, I hate saying pre-order and proof of purchase. I really hate saying those words. Okay, so if you sign up for the bonuses, essentially, you will get a big chunk of author's commentary today and lots of other things. Okay, so moving along, I'm about to play my conversation with Jessica DeFino for you, but I just want to say that we... We, hmm, I just want to kind of preface this in case someone is triggered by Jessica mentioning that when she drank more water and ate some more fruit and vegetables and wasn't only eating pizza, her skin, she noticed change, positive changes in her skin. I am 
only pointing it out because I do know that for people right in the beginning of healing their relationship with food who are just sort of wrapping their head around the things that I talk about with the fuck it diet, this may sound confusing or triggering or make people think, oh no, does that mean I need to eat less pizza and more fruits and vegetables? And the answer is no. This is an example of what they call in intuitive eating gentle nutrition. And it's something that I don't talk about that often or I don't talk about it in a specific way because I know that it triggers people it triggered me it confused me it's the kind of thing that I think people get stuck on and they think it's something they should be applying at the beginning of the fuck it diet the beginning of healing their relationship with food and it is not so if it's something that's triggering to you just know that it is not something you need to be thinking about um, but for anyone else you know incorporating things that feel good and being able to support your body in a way that is not restrictive um, is to me the goal of healing your relationship with food to getting to a place that is more intuitive and to me that's what gentle nutrition is okay just wanted to say that before you listen to the conversation I think you're really going to love this conversation um, and you might end up saving a lot of money on beauty products and skin products. Okay. Enjoy. So many people have asked for this. Really? Oh, that makes me so happy to hear. There are so many people, including us, (laughs) but so many other people that have said that you and your work is like the skin version of the fuck it diet. Like it's a very similar perspective it's a very similar kind of life perspective um and yeah it's like it's I think it's true (laughs) yeah I mean that's the highest possible compliment to me but yeah (laughs) I always say like the key to skincare is leaving your face the fuck alone I know okay so let's let's just let's just get into it and um and have you sort of introduced yourself to people who are listening for anyone who doesn't know? Sure. Okay. So my name is Jessica DeFino. I'm a reporter in the beauty industry. I like to say that I'm a pro skin anti-product reporter. That's my Mm. approach. I I try to approach all of my reporting as like human first rather than product or ingredient first. I love that. Yeah. So I try to, I would say my work like tries to debunk marketing myths and sort of demystify marketing jargon and really push up against beauty standards um, and delineate what is a beauty standard and what is an actual like marker of skin health and skin well-being. Mm. And yeah, the two are very different, even though they have been linked together for a long, long time. So So yeah, my reporting is in like New York Times, Vogue, Allure, and I have my own newsletter called The Unpublishable, which is where I put my more controversial reporting. God, I love that. And that is, that is great marketing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So good. Um, So how did you get into this? What was your entry into this perspective? It all started with the Kardashians. No way. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it truly did. I, um, my career started sort of in the celebrity space. Um, and then in 2015, I got recruited to be an editor on the Kardashian Jenner official apps. So at this point, I don't know if you remember, yeah, all the Kardashian and Jenner sisters launched their own separate (gasps) apps. 
and oh yeah, God. I, I actually was part of the team that. that launched them. <laughs> I missed that entirely. I that was Good. one of the reality TV shows that I didn't jump on early enough, so I sort of just like missed. I missed that train. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's good on you. (laughs) (laughs) I actually tried last year. I visited my friend um, in upstate New York and we were like, okay, I think it's time because we love the housewives. And I was like, we were like, I think it's time to start the Kardashians from the beginning. And we were like, this is going to change our lives. We're going to be obsessed with it. And we watched the first season. We were like, no, we can't do this. <laughs> yeah, much. I think I was very into it. And at the time when I was recruited for the job, I was very excited. I was like, yes, these women are such strong, smart business women. They've built these empires out of nothing. This is amazing. Right. Um, but I do think that like their show and them in general, like these women are pegged to like a very specific point in <laughs> our cultural understanding yes. of feminism and what that was. And I, I think- yes. I hope our culture is sort of moving past that so I can see how it would be like a little jarring or just not very interesting to start rewatching the show at this point in history yeah and and I mean it it was clear that it like you know went through growing pains and we just didn't have the stamina to like push through (laughs) and get to like when they kind of modernize the format but um but yeah so sorry let's go back to you you being recruited to work on their apps. Yeah. So I was part of the launch team that like launched all five of the apps. And then I sort of moved into working on Chloe's app primarily. So I was like the voice of internet Chloe. Um, (laughs) And I think the combination of it being like a super high stress environment, and then also being a job where suddenly beauty brands and PR people were sending me tons of free beauty products to try Mm. in the hopes that I would review them on the app. Um, so I think just a lot of beauty products plus a lot of stress, my skin started freaking out. Oh, wow. And yeah. I developed something called dermatitis. I went to the dermatologist. I was given a prescription for topical steroids. I was on that for two years, wow. um, which had some disastrous side effects on my skin. <laughs> yes. So I developed something called skin atrophy, which is basically like your barriers completely thinned. Um, I had to stop using the steroids. I then went into topical steroid withdrawal and essentially my skin just like peeled off of my face for about six months. (laughs) Oh my God, Jessica. It was awful. It was really, truly terrible. So I had to figure out how I could repair my skin without putting anything on it because I couldn't handle anything on it. Um, So I started just doing a lot of research on the inherent functions of the skin to try to understand it and try to understand how to support it. Um, And then at the same time, when I was going through all of this, I realized how much of my self-worth I had Mm. sort of placed on my appearance. Mm -hmm. So like when I couldn't wear makeup and when I didn't look beautiful and people were thinking like, oh, this woman is contagious. I shouldn't go near her because my skin was peeling off. I just felt so worthless. And I started really investigating like historically and also within myself, like why does beauty have such um, an impact on my sense of who I am and Mm. and what I'm worth to myself and to other people. Um, And so those were sort of like two twin journeys I went on and they ended up, you know, colliding in many different ways. Oh my gosh, that's fascinating. And honestly, there is such a parallel to my own experience that led me to 
creating the fuck a diet blog and right. led to everything else. It was my super dysfunctional relationship with food and mm-hmm. dieting and body and weight yes. and the sort of rock bottom that I hit over and over before I really realized that something was wrong. Like this mm-hmm. wasn't, this just didn't really make sense. And it couldn't be the way we were meant to live and to eat. Yes. Like it just didn't make sense. It just wasn't, there was something missing. There was some like trust in our body's ability to like do this really basic thing mm-hmm. that it was, became pretty clear that we had all sort of lost that Yes. That trust in our bodies. Right. Like it shouldn't be this hard to simply just exist. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so, so what were some of the like early kind of revelations that you had when you were learning about the skin and how it works and sort of where, where we've mm-hmm. all gone wrong? So personally, the two biggest revelations for me were one, when I just stopped using products altogether and I just let my skin rock for like seven days with nothing, Mm -hmm. it healed itself and cleared up more in that week than it had in the previous two years ever. Wow. Wow. So, and I like, I know I can't necessarily extrapolate my own experience and say, this will be the same for everybody else, but that was a huge wake up call for me to look into that and Mm -hmm. be like, Hmm, what scientifically is happening here? Right. Is this just me or is this all skin? Right. Um, so that was hugely transformational. And then I'm somebody who's had sort of skin issues, very sensitive, reactive skin for my whole life. You know, I've tried every dermatologist prescription you could be on for acne or whatever. And dermatologists had always told me, um, no, what you eat doesn't really affect your skin. Like Mm -hmm. your, your diet won't affect that. There's nothing that you can really do in that regard. Like we'll just put you on some antibiotics. Mm -hmm. Um, but once I started like (laughs) drinking water regularly, (laughs) eating fruits and vegetables and not pizza all the time, you could see those, those changes reflected on my skin. So I was like, wait, why were my doctors telling me that this was not a real relationship? And that's like, that's so indicative of Western medicine. I feel like Mm -hmm. that everyone is so specialized that they'd like, Mm -hmm. they can't, and they won't. And sometimes refuse to see that everything in our bodies Mm -hmm. is connected. Like it makes no sense that our skin is not affected by the other things going on with our bodies or in our, or going into our bodies. Like it's connected. Come on. It's obviously connected. And so when I started researching it, I found this very small niche field of dermatology called psychodermatology that, um, explores the skin mind connection. And so the skin brain is part of the larger gut brain skin access. And so basically what science, Western science is now showing us, um, is that the brain, the skin and the gut all form from the same bit of embryonic tissue in utero. Wow. And they form this network of connections and nerves and pathways that, you know, are connected for the rest of your life. So what you do to your gut, you do to your skin, what you do to your brain, you do to your skin, what you do to your skin, you do to your brain. Like there's such, um, there's such a connection between like skin and identity. 
um, and skin and gut health, your microbiome health, like there are all of these major connections that like mainstream skincare media just doesn't talk about, but they're the most foundational and the most powerful. Wow. See, I didn't, I knew about the gut brain access. I did not know that the skin was also a part of that. Yeah. I mean, you know, except for the fact that I believe that this, you know, like what we just said, that, that, it, yeah. that everything's connected, but yeah, that's really, really, really fascinating. And the, the other thing is like, I feel like, again, in our culture and understanding of the way the body works, we tend to ignore the fact that the skin absorbs things and it, and it affects the body. And like, yeah, I mean, even just understanding that you can, you apply some, you know, medications topically (laughs) or like hormones or something like the skin will suck it in and it, it affects the body. It like goes into the bloodstream, you know, it's so true. Well, it's really interesting because so the skin does absorb some things, um, but that's not necessarily its primary function. Like the skin barrier is actually supposed to keep most things out. So there's a lot that goes into making certain ingredients and certain medications absorb. Um, And so for like medicine, that is like a good thing. They want it to absorb that way. Um, But for ingredients, it's interesting because, you know, you'll hear people say like, oh, this ingredient will absorb, you know, into the deeper layers Mm. of your skin and and make all of these changes. And it's true when your skin absorbs something into the deeper layers, that is tough to do. And it will affect these sort of aesthetic changes sometimes. But in order to do that, it disrupts the protective layer of skin, which in turn degrades your skin health. Right. So it's like, you're getting these temporary results, but you're losing the integrity of your skin over time, which causes more issues down the road. Oh so my God. Yeah. yeah. And again, like we do that in so many ways, like that, again, mm-hmm. that is our modern medicine. It's like, here, this will fix you, but I'm not going to really focus on like maybe some of the issues that might come up that you will also need to exactly. take a drug for. And then you need like more and more products to sort of counteract the irritation of product number one and product number two. And then before you know it, you're using 10 products to just sort of maintain this strange aesthetic that we've all decided is beautiful. (laughs) And it's totally counter to like what your skin actually wants and needs. Wow. That is just, it's again, it's like, it's common sense. Like when you, when you step back and think about it and look at the big picture, but it's, again, it's, it's like, it's very, very counterculture. Mm -hmm. It's funny because people always tell me that like the things that I write about are radical or groundbreaking or whatever it is. And I'm like, this is literally the most basic (laughs) common sense thing that you could say. Like it just goes to show how deeply we're steeped in this like strange beauty and diet culture that just saying basic facts sounds radical. Yes. And that's the same thing with with what I write, people are like, wow, this is blowing my mind. (laughs) Like this is something I've never considered before. And yet Mm -hmm. it makes complete sense. Like there's some, it's, it's very easy to follow the logic. And, and it's also, I think on some intuitive level, people are like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, that explains a lot, you know? Right. I think, I think the intuitive thing is, is huge because I, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit, um, 
like out in the ether to say this, but I think when you hear a piece of information that like really connects to your truth, mm-hmm. like you, you get it, you know, you just oh, hear yeah. it and you get it and it oh, clicks yeah. and you're like, oh yes, this, this feels right in my body. For sure. I mean, I'll never forget when I, you know, I actually had this epiphany. I call it an epiphany. Cause that's like the closest thing I can say to describe what it was, but an epiphany about the dysfunction of dieting after mm-hmm. 10 years of like really extreme dieting. And I just was like, this can't be the way my body has got to know how to handle this better than I've been, you know, thinking that it can. And I'm going to really like go in the opposite direction and see if my body like self-corrects, but I didn't have the research at that point Mm -hmm. to actually back up what I was doing. I didn't have the research to, to, to kind of corroborate my intuitive hunch. I just was like this there has to be a better way. And then I found the research Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh my God, it does exist. I'm not just like some crazy woman, like believing in magic. Like this actually has, you know, science to back up like the way that the body works and like the biological um, function of like the hypothalamus, you know, and weight set range and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that was, it's, it's, I definitely believe in, an intuitive, um, resonance. Yes. (laughs) And then, yeah, of course it's like wonderful to have the like Western science that most Western people need before they can fully like believe. Right. Right. Exactly. Like it was very helpful for me to be like, Oh, great. Okay. So I'm going to keep going. And then I was Mm -hmm. able to share those things. And that were, those were things that people could latch onto and be like, Oh my God. Okay. So this isn't some crazy lady that I'm you know, well, I am a crazy lady, but <laughs> there's also science. Yeah. Um, so what are some other, like, I guess, myths or like misconceptions about skin and skincare that you uh, run into often? Sure. Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just that your skin needs products at all. Um, like it has built in functions to self cleanse, self moisturize, self exfoliate, self heal and self protect. And, um, yeah, those will, those will keep going. I always say like human skin survived for literally millennia for thousands of years before pre-bottled products were invented. Right. And it was fine (laughs) and it will still be fine. And like, of course there are modern things that you want to account for. Like we do have a ton more environmental pollution. Um, sunlight is a lot harsher on our skin now with the environment, the way it is, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But at the most basic level, like your skin really does take care of, of things on its own. Um, and then another big one is just that this idea that ingredients that you already have within you, like hyaluronic acid and collagen. Mm. These, these are ingredients Mm. that our body produces. Um, just this misconception that you can take a synthetic version of that and just like put it on your face (laughs) perform the same function is wild to me. I mean, that's like, you know, putting like a calcium cream on your skin and being like, I have strong bones now. (laughs) It doesn't really work like that. So like hyaluronic acid is one ingredient that I really try to talk about a lot because it is this sort of like miracle moisturizing ingredient within your body. But when you put it on the surface of your skin, it actually causes inflammation. It causes dehydration because like 
it's not supposed to be there. If the body wanted hyaluronic acid on the surface of the skin, it would be there. Right. Right. And I think yeah. I, I honestly, so, there, so I feel like I, I, um, came across your account last year when I was having like a meltdown on, on Instagram, when I realized that oil is not technically moisturizer. Yes. Um, <laughs> and because I just, well, I, I, I'm going to explain my, like my weird journey with skin in a second. So try, but I really just like always thought that oil was moisturizer and that's all I have used on my skin for a Mm -hmm. really long time. Um, but I, I, I just, so I really don't know what I'm doing with my skin and I really don't do much. And I'm I'm guessing that you're going to tell me that that's That's correct. (laughs) And I do believe that it probably is. Um, I went to a, I like never get facials, but the first facial I ever got was a couple years ago. And the woman told me that I had extremely dry skin because she kept putting, but I don't like look like I have dry skin. Mm-hmm. I have really oily skin. Mm-hmm. Um, but she said, I kept, uh, you know, putting on moisture, moisturizer and your skin was just sucking it up. So you definitely need more moisturizer. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I, I kept putting on more oil cause I thought it was moisturizer. And then, so I had this right. whole, like, Oh my God. And then, so people on Instagram were telling me, my followers were telling me, no oil, isn't moisturizer. Water-based things are moisturizer moisture. Like, obviously like, don't you get it? And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh my God. And <laughs> then they started tagging you and, and they, ta- or they were sending a couple people to me and you were one of them. And so I followed a couple of people and you were the one that I resonated the most with. And so you were the one that I continued to follow. And then you did, I think you did this series on like moisturizer or you, you had like these stories that I was like, Oh my God. And I yes. shared them. Okay. Um, but so, okay. So I don't even really know where I'm going with this, except that, <laughs> except that you like, even just like, I think that even just in that you like explained that hyaluronic acid, or maybe other people were explaining to me that hyaluronic acid, which I had just started using. Cause I was like, Oh shit. Like, Oh no, I'm in my early thirties and like I'm getting older and apparently I need to moisturize my skin and I haven't been moisturizing my skin my entire life. I've only been putting oil on it. So blah, 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 blah. And I was like getting panicked that I needed to be doing something differently. And then you calmed me down and then we're like (laughs) hyaluronic acid actually does the opposite of what you wanted to do and blah, blah, blah. And again, it just resonated with me so much because that's what I learned and believe about food and health. So why wouldn't I also believe that about skin? It's so funny because that's one of the things I hear all the time. Like that's a big skincare community, like line that they love to go to, like oil isn't moisturizing. And like, yes, it's true. But (laughs) the, the thing I like to say about that is like, what we think of as a typical moisturizer is just oil plus water. Right. And it has that creamy texture because oil and water, you know, repel each other. Think of like a salad dressing. Um, and cosmetic chemists need to add stuff to mix the oil and water so that it's not separated for the consumer. So like your skin doesn't need all of that stuff that turns your moisturizer into that cream 
Right. That texture is product convenience. It's not human convenience. Right. And you can essentially like DIY a moisturizer on your face by applying um, an oil to damp skin. And it will effectively do the same thing as that creamy moisturizer without the extra ingredients that you have. Really it's just so great. And it's just so <laughs> simple. And none of those companies want you to know that. No, because it's so much easier. And like, the thing is the model for the best moisturizer in the world is the one that your skin creates the one that your body creates naturally. Like it create, you have this moisturizer that is pumped out of your pores specifically for the purpose of locking in moisture, keeping your skin healthy, um, protecting you from the sun and from the environment, blocking invading pathogens and viruses and bacteria. Right. Like that's already going to be the best moisture best moisturizer you could possibly need. Right. And if your skin is dry for, you know, whatever reason, there are many reasons that your inherent moisture might not be at its peak. Um, you don't necessarily need to add all of these products to it. You can just mimic your skin's inherent moisturization process. And you can do that with simply oil and water. I prefer for anyone who's interested, I prefer jojoba oil because yeah. it's technically a wax ester, which is what sebum is. Um, so they're not like, like hard and fast oils. They're like a version of wax that appears oily. Um, so jojoba oil is biomimetic, meaning it mimics your skin's natural sebum levels. Um, because some oils like olive oil, for instance, can be inflammatory mm. because it doesn't have the same profile of lipids as your inherent sebum does. Right. And thanks to you sharing that, I switched over to jojoba oil and mm. I've been using it ever since. Do you like it? I do. I, I think I, you know, I learned about it probably back in like high school or college and started using it then. And then I, I didn't really like understand mm -hmm. why you know, like why that was supposed to be good. So I eventually like, I, I was using coconut oil for so long. Yeah. Um, so, okay, wait, there are two things that I want to say. So the first one is after I learned all of that from you essentially about skin and it resonated with me, a lot of people were saying, oh, well just wait till, you know, or, or mm -hmm. I live in a super dry climate. So, right. um, I, I have to use a moisturizer or else my skin will flake off. And then I was hearing from enough people who said, well, or maybe again, maybe it was you, I, it's all jumbled now, but like you can moisturize from within by yes. drinking water. And so I right. went to, um, Colorado this summer and it was kind of maybe like soon after that. And people, we're saying, oh, that was when they were like, oh, just wait, just wait till you get to Colorado. You're going to have to use moisturizer. But then that was like the chapstick thing where people, I don't, I forget. Like there've been so many different crazy sagas on my Instagram about skin and chapstick and whatever, but. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. They were like, when you go, or I was saying, I never use chapstick. What are you, what are you guys talking about? People were like, people were confused. Sorry. This is so like roundabout. I can't remember even what I'm trying to say, but <laughs> people were confused that when I did a, what's in my little bag that I carry around that I didn't have any chapstick in there. And I was like, chapstick, I never use chapstick. And that started yeah. like a, what? Like the internet was fighting, <laughs> like, how can you not use chapstick? And other people were like, I never oh use chapstick. Gosh. So they were like, well, just wait till you go to Colorado. You're going to have to use chapstick. And I was like, okay, this is my time. 
I am going to do an experiment. I'm going to be like psychotic about water and electrolytes and applying jojoba oil and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And so when I got there the first day, I could see that my, that my skin was like super, super, super dry. So I started doing the jojoba. I was drinking a lot of water, drinking electrolytes nonstop. And it totally was fine. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, and I was like kind of obsessed with it. Like I was probably drinking too much water, honestly, but, um, it, it worked. And so I was like, okay, all right. There's something to this for sure. There definitely is. And like the other thing that I like to explain to people is like, we see these symptoms on our skin that we think of as bad. So like, for instance, when your skin is dry, maybe it gets tight. Maybe it gets a little flaky. Um, that's, it's not that you want to like take those flakes away or add moisture. That's a sign that your skin is adapting to its current environment. So it's not self exfoliating as much, which is why you get those flakes Mm. because it is building up its barrier so that it can better hold moisture within. So when your skin looks dry on the surface, it's because it's building up an extra layer of protection so that the moisture stays within you. Oh my God. You know, like like this is so exciting. It's so cool. It's a sign that everything is working. So like when, when our instinct is to maybe like use a scrub or an acid exfoliator to get rid of those flakes. You're actually making your skin's job a lot harder. And then what you did is actually make your skin's job easier by supporting the barrier, adding some oils, which are naturally present on the barrier, um, refueling your moisture from within by drinking water and electrolytes and your skin naturally evened out and adapted to the environment that it was in. Oh my God. That Which is, is very so cool, cool to me. It's <laughs> and so the other cool. Thing, yeah. The other thing I want to note with that is like the reason that your skin won't self exfoliate as much when it gets dry is because your dead skin cells are the only cells that are equipped to hold moisture on the surface. Wow. So if you take them away, your skin doesn't have mm-hmm. a way to hold moisture. Um, there's something called natural moisturizing factors or NMFs and they they are only available to dead skin cells. So if you just keep sloughing them away, you're dehydrating your skin over time and decreasing its capacity to hold on to surface moisture. Man, this is just Mm -hmm. so like, and and I feel like you say that, you know, in our attempts to have like whatever we consider to be perfect looking skin all of the time, we are damaging our skin. And that's a perfect example. Mm -hmm. And even like glass skin, like that really glossy, glassy look. Um, If your skin is looking like that without like oils and stuff on top of it, that's a sign of inflammation. Like that's a sign Mm. of damage. What happens and why we think our skin looks so good when we actually are damaging it is because when that surface damage happens, your skin cells send all of these healing nutrients up to the surface to repair that damage. So you get this like temporary glow because you have all of these good, um, just sort of like chemicals and nutrients coming from within to sort of save the day. Oh my God. That like, we just keep damaging our skin because we like how the repair process looks. That is crazy to me. That's Mm -hmm. amazing. And it kind of reminds (laughs) me of like when someone is super ill or like has a super, you know, a really extreme eating disorder, people will get all of these compliments. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? You look so great. And like, um, if we don't realize kind of the situation we're in, a lot of us would be like, oh my God, 
this is great. I'm looking healthy. Mm -hmm. How can I keep this up? (laughs) It's that's such a, that's such a perfect parallel. Oh my God. We're so messed up. (laughs) I know. Right. (laughs) So what's crazy is, so my, um, my skin in high school, I was diagnosed with PCOS when I was 14. Mm -hmm. I had really, 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 really cystic acne, um, and very, very big pores that I still have, obviously. Um, and it's hard to know. It's always been hard to know, like, okay, is this the result of like severe hormonal issues or like Mm -hmm. severe health problems and, or is this genetic and just look at my dad's face and lucky me, I got these huge pores, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Um, so I, you know, in addition to a million other things I was trying to do for my health, both, um, both like alternative health wise and like super, super Western medicine, like give me whatever drug you think I need to like heal myself and help myself. Um, I did that with my skin as well. I was like literally tried everything under the sun for many, many, many years. Mm -hmm. And then I became a raw vegan, which was an attempt to heal my, uh, my skin and my body from the inside out. It was like very culty, very, very extreme. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of promises made (laughs) on the internet to me. Um, and one of the big ones was that my skin was going to be so good. It was going to glow. I was going to be totally detoxed and my skin would just be so good. And I was like, okay, great. Let's do this. And my skin has almost never been so bad. It was like covered, covered, covered in acne. It was like so upsetting, so scary. In the beginning, I was Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, this is just detox. It's fine. I just need to like wait it out. And then it just never got better. And so, you know, one of the things I eventually did was not was stop uh, (laughs) being a raw vegan, which I'm sure helped. But also (laughs) during that time, you know, because of raw veganism, I actually stumbled across a blog or a community and I forget what it's called. You, you probably know it's called like I don't know what it's called, but it's like where you do nothing to your skin. Basically, mm-hmm. you just like let it be. Cause I was yes. doing all of these things. I was like, you know, I, I was washing with like all this crazy stuff, putting all this stuff on. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I should just stop and see what happens. Yeah. And I did. And it improved so much. I just like I'm completely sure. stopped doing anything, I think, except apply coconut oil. I think that's when Mm -hmm. I started using coconut oil and it got so much better. It is not like nobody would look at my skin. Well, actually that's not true, but if many, many people would look at my skin and not Mm -hmm. think that it was quote unquote good skin, like it's still very Mm -hmm. oily. It's like pretty, um, what's the word ruddy, very, very big pores, Mm -hmm. but I do not. And I do break out, you know, like I have, you know, acne prone skin, but I, 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 it's so, so much better, so much better. And it's been, (laughs) it's been, you know, 13 years at least of me doing like nothing to my skin. And 
it's so much better than it was before. And when there are times when people from far away, from far away, my skin looks good. And people say, you have great skin. What do you do? And the answer is, well, a don't get too close, but B I don't do anything. I do nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I mean, the things like large pores, that's mostly genetic, um, ruddy skin or patchiness or oil or dry flakes, whatever. These are just signs of humanity. Like Mm -hmm. that's just what happens to skin. Like skin's Mm -hmm. purpose is not to look a certain way. The skin has many other functions within the body. And as it's serving those functions, one of which is communication, like what more genius way for your insides to Mm. communicate with you than to give you a symptom you can see. Yeah. Like that's the only way. So like, these are all sorts of like normal everyday communication signs that you're living a life signs that like, Hey, my, my hormones are maybe a little out of whack because I'm about to get my period or whatever the thing is, Mm -hmm. or, you know, a more serious thing like, Oh, I have PCOS. This is part of my hormonal imbalance. Right. Um, Totally. That's like fine and normal. And I would love to just normalize having you know what's and crazy? Then the other, oh sorry no go 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 right i now. was just gonna say the other thing that comes to mind with the raw vegan thing like that's an exacerbating your acne that is a sign of the gut skin connection because it's so much harder to digest raw food oh my god yes and so when you're not digesting your food you're one not extracting the nutrients that fuel your skin's processes and two you're not like your body is not internally detoxing as well. Um, and all of that will show up on your skin because again, the skin is a communication organ and it is deeply tied to your gut. So oh God, that's makes so much sense. Makes so much sense and is so ironic because <laughs> the whole point of raw veganism is like, you're going to detox everything because you're not going to be ingesting any toxins. <laughs> but like, then I didn't digest anything. Like mm-hmm. I literally didn't. I like literally just saw like whole leaves of lettuce in my poop. Right. <laughs> thing that I like really annoys me about the use of toxins in scenarios like that is that anything can become a toxin if it's built up in your body at a level that it shouldn't be. Mm. So like the hormones that are, are responsible for keeping our bodies going, if we have too much or too little of one of them and the liver can't like detox the excess estrogen that becomes, you know, quote unquote toxin to you. So it's not like you can eat only healthy foods and still have toxins built up. Right. Your processes aren't like, you know, running the way they, they need to be. Yeah. So something, this is kind of gross, but it's, I think it's actually pretty interesting. Um, a couple of years ago, I was like pretty chronically ill a couple of years ago. And I thankfully I'm like a lot better. It was one of the reasons I went on my two years of rest. Cause I was like mm. extremely exhausted. But Mm -hmm. one of the things when I finally started working with a doctor who was able to help me and understood what was going on and they, they were an MD, but they did like so many alternative things. And that was actually what ended up helping me. Um, One of my issues, one of my many issues was that I had parasites, which is so gross. Mm -hmm. And I, because of this experience, um, I believe that more people have parasites than we think because yeah. we like tend to think that our culture is like so clean and yet if our dogs can get parasites like there's no reason why we can't anyway so I had right. parasites <laughs> I was killing them for so long because I was trying to do it with herbs I eventually used drugs um but it was like a really horrible <laughs> really really <laughs> horrible process but 
Um, and I still think I have them. I think, I think honestly, like everybody does, it's almost like just, right. you need like a, a manageable level. Like it, it's, and it's a, this is a very bizarre outlook that I have, but it's based on my own personal experience. But mm-hmm. when I was killing parasites and I was feeling really horrible, like it was really like my, I, my head hurt all the time. It was like totally get, like gastro messed up. My skin was really bad. Mm-hmm. And especially I was broken out on my neck and it was like very, very noticeable. It was really hard for me to ignore mm-hmm. it. And it really, you know, it really seemed pretty obvious to me that it was connected, that yeah. it was like, this is something I'm going through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure like exactly why, but like, this is definitely connected to my gut right now. Right. It's connected to your gut. And then the other thing that comes up for me, whenever I have breakouts on my neck or anyone I know has breakouts on their neck, I always um, suggest lymphatic drainage Mm. because there are a ton, like that's basically the main, like super highway for your lymphatic vessels. Um, And your lymph is actually one of the skin's built in cleansing mechanisms. You know, it's the cleansing mechanism for your whole body, but basically that's where things like bacteria, viruses, parasites build up. And then when, when that fluid goes through the lymph, it's hit with white blood cells to neutralize all of that. So if there's like too much, if there's a buildup, if your lymph isn't draining correctly, you will see the effects of that elsewhere in your body. And like, literally that to me sounds like a sign that your, your skin's cleansing mechanism was, was overwhelmed. And And guess what? You're happening. Right. Yeah. You're hundred percent right. Because really? when I told my, told my doctor that this is what was happening, they were like, okay, I want you to like massage this into your <gasps> neck. Yes. And, that's and it, the thing. <laughs> and it helped. It really, really wow. helped. Um, I, I would like notice a difference. And then when I would get lazy and stop doing it, it would come back. And then I, mm-hmm. and I also think that that's why I felt so horrible during the parasite killing process, because my my, um, my drainage system, which is part of the detox system was like not functioning properly. Mm-hmm. So it was like backing up essentially. Wow. Um, yeah, it was, it was a, it was bad. <laughs> it was I really like a miserable experience, but oh. I, there was actually a, a certain point where I was like, okay, I have to like, stop doing this because like, I, I just need to like, get back to some like normal, mm-hmm. like more normalcy. And I eventually started to feel better and I did other things too. There were other things going on, but, um, I feel like it, like my body has less that it has to deal with right now. So I like generally feel a little better, but it was a crazy experience. And so interesting that what you just said, like totally lined up. I know that's very exciting to me. (laughs) I know, you know, your stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, oh my God. Uh, so this is like, this is so exciting. I can't wait for people to hear this. What, is there anything else that you want people to know? Anything else pressing that like you think is really important information for people? Oh gosh. I oh, mean, that's a loaded question. <laughs> more, more than like the scientific stuff of like how your skin works and how your body works and like what's going on with skincare. I really want people to like think more critically about beauty culture Mm. as being, um, this sort of parallel force to diet culture. Um, because I feel like diet culture is more within the collective consciousness now, like we're aware of it. Certain things now within the context of knowing what diet culture is sound very weird and 
harmful. Like you would never recommend a friend who's like, oh, I'm struggling with feeling fat today. And I don't want to like see people. You wouldn't say, hmm, try these diet pills. That will probably make better like that's just bizarre we left that in the 80s and 90s exactly but there is absolutely no hesitation where today if your friend was like oh my skin sucks like I have all these wrinkles that I'm starting to see people are fine being like oh try this like anti-wrinkle serum that I found or like have you thought about Botox Right. And like really ideologically, those two scenarios are no different at all. And I really think that in five to 10 years, we're going to start to look back on the things that we've normalized about beauty and skincare and what, you know, quote unquote, good skin should look like. And we're going to feel just as like cringy about that as we currently feel about diet culture. Oh, that's so, I really hope. And I'm t- like, <laughs> all through my twenties, I was like, I'm never going to do Botox. I'm going to <laughs> age naturally just like I was intended to, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't, I was an actor then I was like, I'm just yeah. going to like take a break from acting and then become an old woman actress. Once I look old, like it's gonna <laughs> be great. And then of course now I'm only 33, but I do, I do look at myself sometimes, especially my neck, because I do think I, I know that I have low progesterone and I know that that can like affect the skin and everything. Mm-hmm. And I look and I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my mm-hmm. God. I do look old. And I look, I think I look older than I even am. And I ha- I have had moments where I'm like, <gasps> right. should I do something about it? And then I'm like, no, Caroline, chill out. <laughs> like think, <laughs> zoom yeah. out, think about what you <laughs> believe. And right. you. But yeah, it's a trip. It's a trip. Yeah. I mean, and then also just as somebody who has seen you and your skin and your face in person, like that is completely in your head. Like I would not say you look older than 33 at all you I mean if anything look younger than what I have in my head is what like a 33 year old would look like um so and again that's really interesting to think about what beauty and diet culture have done to us in terms of like everybody probably has like mild dysmorphia about Mm -hmm. what they should look like and what they do look like yeah um and, and where those things do and do not meet yes Yes. And that that's clear to me from time to time too, that I'm like, all right, just, just remember, you're probably not seeing yourself the way Mm -hmm. other people see you. Let's just like assume that. Yeah. And like, honestly, it can be as easy as that. Like within society today, it is really hard to like rid yourself of those thoughts or that perspective. Like it might be something that is always there, but as long as you're aware of it, And you can say to yourself, okay, this is probably not as big of a deal in the real world as it is in my mind. Like that's, that's enough to really heal a lot of that. I totally um, agree. Appearance anxiety. I totally agree. And I feel like that's one of the ways that I talk about body image, you know, Mm -hmm. and weight is that like, are you going to completely be able to 100% untangle your psyche from our cultural psyche and just not care at all? Probably not. But can you have awareness around how your brain is working and why and what forces mm-hmm. are at play and like have a little bit of distance and awareness that will help you retain some like autonomy and like, remember, okay, this mm-hmm. feels really bad, but it's, but because of all these reasons that, that I've learned, it's probably not as bad, or I can still be kind to myself and take care of myself, even if I don't think I'm like the most amazing looking person in the world. Yes. yes. Those are the things that are going to help us have a better quality of life. 
and a better relationship with ourselves. And we don't have to be like, I am perfect and beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to feel that way to, yes. to be kinder to yourself. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. And it, it's, um, for me, that's very similar to the idea of like stress management. Like, so I talked about a little bit earlier that the skin and the mind are really connected. So obviously like stress is a huge, um, strain on the skin and you can see a lot of the effects of stress on your skin. Um, and that can feel very discouraging because it's like, there are so many areas for stress within our reality right now. Like you're never going to eliminate these sources of stress. Does that mean like you're doomed to like have stress acne forever? Um, and the answer is no, because it's more about, um, understanding your body's stress response, managing your body's stress response. So like, you don't have to get rid of every single source of stress, but if you can add five minutes of a breathing exercise, you're, you're essentially helping your skin through that. And you, your skin doesn't have to react to the stress in the way that it currently does, you know? So it's not like this huge undertaking of creating the perfect um, nirvana for you to live within, to have (laughs) calm skin. That's also like, you know, when I was going through my healing thing a couple of years ago from the chronic health stuff, like there was a lot of talk about like environmental toxins and like, you know, toxic buildup. Like for instance, my lymph clearly wasn't working <laughs> like right. the way that it should. So like I did have a buildup of toxins and I do have like chronic Epstein-Barr. So I had liver inflammation and I had like all of this stuff, like my body's detox system was impaired. It was, and it probably still is on some level. So I kind of went back to this. This is something I haven't really even talked about. And I will talk about it more. I'm sure because so much of my healing from diet culture was healing from orthorexia. And then Mm -hmm. I sort of went back into this, Oh shit. So now I have to think about fucking toxins again. And I was like, Oh damn, like, how do I kind of reconcile this? Mm -hmm. And the way I reconciled it was just being chiller about it being like, okay, I live in a toxic world. We Mm -hmm. all live in a toxic world. We are all fielding environmental toxins all of the time. Our bodies are doing the best we can. We can do what we can to support our bodies. And that's about it. Right. (laughs) And I think that's such a healthier mindset. Cause like, especially on the subject of toxins within the beauty industry space, we like fluctuate between these two extremes. So it's either you have this clean beauty approach where like everything is toxic and toxins are like leaching into your bloodstream. And then the rebellion to that is this total denial of the existence of toxins. (laughs) Like there are headlines out there. I think there was one on Teen Vogue a couple months ago that was really egregious. That was like, no, toxins don't exist. (sighs) And I'm like, that's not the truth either. And like, honestly, the most like chill thing you can do for yourself and your mental health is just be aware of the truths of the world and don't get weird about them. Like, yeah, toxins exist, but you don't have to like alter your entire life to avoid them because you can't. Well, it's all you don't have to say they're not real to make yourself feel better. (laughs) kind of thing that's like, just so you all know, like we are all going to die, but, (laughs) but I don't recommend that you live every day panicking about it. Yes. You know what I mean? So that's the other thing like about my approach to food that, you know, it's hard because I, I know I have to be very careful about the way I talk about things because I know how triggering it can Mm -hmm. be, especially in the beginning of healing your relationship to food. So 
I do talk about like not worrying about toxins as much. Like, yes, they exist, but like you can just kind of chill about it because it's not really going to do you much good, especially when you're like climbing out of a really to- toxic relationship mm-hmm. with food. Mm-hmm. So be worrying about that because it's just like, again, it's like this stress that's doing more harm than good. But I see all of the time anti-diet people being like, toxins aren't, don't exist and you don't never need to think about them because <laughs> like you have a liver and it's like, okay, well, yeah, I happen but... to know from my own personal experience as someone with an impaired liver function that mm-hmm. they do exist. And sometimes I mm-hmm. think about them, you know, right. I don't necessarily think that throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Like there are some people who come at the anti-diet approach from like a very, very, I would say black and white sort of like Mm -hmm. Western medicine approach. And like, Mm -hmm. that's honestly never been my perspective. I come at it from like a pretty holistic perspective, but I still don't believe in worrying about food, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and there's also so much to unpack about this, like very, I believe science where you interpret science as being Western medicine, like science is so much more expansive than that. And a lot of our beliefs, especially in the U S especially in Western society, where we equate like Western medicine as the end all be all. A lot of that is very ingrained racism, xenophobia, um, colonial, uh, colonizer mindset. And like, we, we really do need to expand our understanding of, of health and of science um, to not just silo out Western medicine as the end all be all, because if that's your only recourse, like you're going to be limited in a lot of ways. Yeah. And like the, the other ironic thing there is that Western medicine has corroborated so many ancient truths about, (laughs) about health and how our bodies work. Like, like new science corroborates old beliefs every day. So like, what do you have to lose? Yes. By like trying out an herbal remedy. You're, yes. you're, you're going to be fine. And if it doesn't oh work, it's work. So and you many can take herbal tomorrow. Yes, exactly. So many herbal things, like so many drugs are derivatives of herbal things and ways that mm-hmm. herbs work. So it yeah. doesn't make sense that like, again, when people are like, well, those things don't work. It's like, well, maybe it's not as strong as the pill that they gave you, but like right. it may be doing a similar thing. And like to mm-hmm. completely discount it is not necessarily correct you know yeah oh wow I wish everyone was (laughs) as smart as us I know (laughs) well now everyone who listened to this um this is so great Jessica can you tell everyone where they can find you on the internet yes the best place is my newsletter it's called the unpublishable and it's through substack um you can google that or the url is jessicadefino.substack.com and that's primarily where I am these days as I'm trying to avoid social media. That's so smart. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> I know. So bad. <laughs> I might, I just, I think about it all the time. I think about it all the time. I know I'm going to have to move away from Instagram, but I just, mm-hmm. it's not happening yet, but it, but it, it might yeah. in time, perhaps <laughs> you never oh know. Gosh. And I will, I will link, um, I will link to that in the show notes. I will link okay, to your cool. sub stack. Thank Yay. You. Thank you so much. Oh, this is thank so you. amazing. Yes. I always love talking to you. And there you have it. Okay. So you can find everything you need in the show notes of this episode. Lots of links. 
And this episode is already long enough, so I'm going to bid you adieu and talk to you God knows when. I have another episode that's ready for me to work on, but when will I work on it? That's the big question that no one's going to be able to answer until it's too late. Okay, goodbye. Talk to you next time.